This is Becoming a Podcast for Teens and Young Adults, Episode 62, Waiting and Dating with Monica Tanner. Hi there, and welcome to Becoming, a podcast for teens and young adults, where together we are becoming more than we are and who we were always meant to be. Each episode will feature different topics to enhance your growth, help you see the world differently, and discover who you really want to become. We are your hosts, Tani Beardall and Erica Peterson. We will be interviewing guests with unique experiences and experts in different fields to help us get the most out of each episode. This episode is brought to you by Teen Job Prep. If you are a teen wanting to find a part-time job but aren't sure where to start, check out Teen Job Prep. They have a professional resume builder designed specifically for teens and video training so that you feel prepared to find a job and keep it with little or no experience. Go to teenjobprep.com and use the code BECOMING to get 10% off. Welcome to Becoming, everyone. Today we have a super fun episode about dating. Right? So Erica and I have been a little nervous to tackle the subject alone. So we have a great guest today. Her name's Monica Tanner, and she's with the podcast On the Brighter Side. Now, we're going to get into some super fun stuff and really ask her how to prepare to have a successful marriage and really fun things about dating. But we realized that's like three steps ahead of where some of our listeners might be. So we're just going to cover a couple of the fundamentals and a few things to keep in mind. We're not going to give you like a set age or rule or anything, but we found some statistics to help kind of back up some things to keep in mind when you're dating in high school. I seriously was so boy crazy that I probably would have started dating when I was like 10 or 12. Oh, yeah. I'm not trying to share the statistics just to get you guys freaked out or anything, but I just want you to know these aren't just our opinions. Like I did some research to figure out like, how do you know when you're ready to date? When's the right time for me? And something's kind of made me nervous about the risks of dating early or having a serious relationship in high school. Some of those are having poor academics, having a higher risk of social disobedience and higher levels of delinquency. It also can lead to depression, pregnancy, and drug use. So Erica, if you heard that something increased your chances for having all of these risks, wouldn't you try to avoid it? Oh yeah. And now having the perspective, I'm like, oh, I can totally see those things, but it's nice to have the research behind that to kind of understand why you might hear that in churches or in your families that there is kind of an age limit to kind of help guide that. But then we were talking about the second you turn a certain age doesn't necessarily mean you're ready to seriously date. And the second that you break up with somebody and are available again, doesn't necessarily mean that you're prepared to start dating seriously again. So we kind of did a little more research just to figure out a few check-ins with yourself of how you can figure out whether or not you're really ready to start being more serious. And I would say take some weight with those suggestions from your church leaders or your parents because they do have the perspective and they do know that it's maybe what's best for you to wait a certain time limit, but then also having these kind of can help you to 
make some good decisions down the road. So here's some questions that we found that you can ask yourself to know if you're really prepared for dating. And first is, do you have strong bonds with friends outside of a relationship that you're interested in? It's really helpful to have people outside of your one-on-one relationship. I think that's really important to remember. Another thing to ask yourself that's really important is, do you have a good enough relationship with a parent or an adult that you trust and can confide in with questions about your relationship or other serious issues that might arise in your life? I think that's super important. And it might seem like it's not that important when you are a teen, but it's very important to know that you have somebody who does have the long-term perspective to be able to weigh in on maybe some bigger questions that you might have. Another one is, do you have goals and hobbies that you enjoy doing alone? As easy as that. Another one we found was, do I feel I have worth even without the attention of another person? That's huge. The best thing you can do is love yourself right now as you are. And I think one way of doing that is by really knowing yourself And I actually was doing a hair client, a teenager the other day, and I asked her if she'd ever heard of the movie Runaway Bride. Do you remember that that movie? (laughs) Oh, I love it. It's Julie Roberts. It's like one of my favorite old school, like it was my high school time. And this is the best example. This girl is like a serial dater. She changes who she is based on who she's dating. So if the guy's like super outdoorsy, all of a sudden she, oh, I love hiking. I'm super outdoorsy. And then the next guy is really religious. And then she's super religious. And the funniest part is that she changes the type of eggs that she likes depending on (laughs) what they like. So, oh, my favorite's scrambled too. My favorite's over easy too. I love this movie and just the fact that it represents If you don't know yourself, you will never truly be happy. You'll be looking for other people to fulfill you in a way that will never possibly happen. So I think that's so important to realize, do I really know who I am, what my interests are, what my hobbies are? Do I understand that I have worth today right now as I am? I love that. I think that is super helpful. I think that really covers the bases for the intro to dating so that you can really understand whether or not you're ready and old enough and all of those things. But I think that's going to be a great first start to this conversation. And I am so excited to have Monica here. We have our dear friend, Monica Tanner with us today. She is a fellow podcaster and has really been in this with us from the start of when we started. But We are just so excited to have her. And Monica, one of your passions has definitely been researching and studying marriage. And you've turned this into like a total career focus for you. Welcome to the podcast. And tell us a little bit about what you've learned and what you're doing. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me. Well, I have been following you since the beginning and you guys are doing so awesome. I love what you're doing. There's not a ton of podcasts out there talking to teens, And I'm just so grateful that someone is willing to do it. You guys do an awesome job. And obviously, you're super cool. So what teens wouldn't want to listen to you, right? Oh, geez. Thanks, Monica. (laughs) But um, I have been interested in marriage probably since I was about 12 years old. My parents got a divorce. And I all of a sudden became obsessed with what makes relationships work and what makes them strong. I've kind of always kind of kept notes in my journal of really strong marriages and really strong parenting things. And so those have always been really interesting to me. I studied about it in college and then 
went back to school later to get my graduate degree in marriage and family counseling and decided that most of the things that they teach in those graduate programs, I felt like were outdated. And I felt like I, I knew more about marriage and dating and things like that just from my own personal experience being married and from being married and from learning from others who were married. And so I just kind of developed my own kind of theories and ideas of what makes a really good marriage. And I wish that somebody would have cared enough like you guys do to give me this great advice when I was a teenager about dating and marriage. But since, you know, I kind of learned everything the hard way, I think. And so now I would love to help you guys share some great tools and ideas for teens so that they can have the best possible experience dating and getting married. Oh, that's so perfect. And it seems like so far out in the future, but it's really important to understand now. Oh, for sure. Everything that teenagers are doing right now is preparing them for the future. I mean, what they're doing in school is preparing them for careers. What they're doing in their personal life is preparing them for marriage and family. I mean, no, no time is wasted as a teen, for sure. Now, Monica has spent a ton of time interviewing many, many marriage experts, and she recently just did this big summit, and it was awesome. So we really wanted her to come and kind of start from the basic beginning. Monica, where would you start to help our teens learn what would prepare them for a successful marriage? I would say to get to know all kinds of different people. So it's really easy to kind of pigeonhole yourself. I know when I was in high school, I thought I, I only want to date jocks because, you know, I, I'm a jock and I want to date jocks and I probably marry a jock. And I think when you think like that, you're narrowing your vision so much. I did date a lot of jocks in high school and I ended up marrying a jock but I learned from experiences dating in college that there are other really important qualities that I was looking for in a partner. For example, my senior year, I was in a lot of honors classes all through high school, and I got to know a lot of the really smart kids. A lot of them didn't do sports. And I remember my senior year, I had broken up with my boyfriend, and I was really sad. And a good friend of mine who was in a lot of my classes and had been a friend all through high school, he kept asking me out on a date, and he was really, really, really persistent. And I thought, well, he's not an athlete. And so I kind of brushed him off for a long time until finally I said yes to him. And we had the most amazing time on our date. And I ended up spending a lot of time with him my senior year and learning a ton from him. And a lot of the qualities that he had were things that I eventually looked for in a husband. And so I'm so grateful that I opened myself a little bit to get to know somebody who wasn't just a total athlete. That's important. Even when looking for friendships, because often we do look at people that they like the same sports or the same music or we're all musical or whatever it is. But anytime I've met someone that's completely opposite of me, I've loved what I've learned in the conversation. So I can see how this would be great for dating advice too. Sometimes opposites attract and you create this really awesome relationship from your different strengths and weaknesses. That's so true. Such a good perspective, Tony. Some of my best friends right now are so different from me in every way, but it's such a treasured friendship because they constantly keep me looking at other perspectives and thinking about things in a different way. And that's so important. 
So another thing I would think about when you're in high school is when you couple off and you date just one person, you miss out on so many fun things, not only with other friends, but with other people that, you know, could be teaching you really important things. And so when I was in high school, I, nobody taught me these things. And so I did couple off and I missed out on so many things. So on the flip side, my husband, when he was in high school, his parents had this rule where you couldn't go out on a date with the same person twice in a row. And so they had a lot of dances and things like that. And so he did have some girls that he was more interested in others, right? But he had to date other girls in between when he was going out with this girl. And I think it served him so well because this girl that he did really like in high school and spent a lot of time with in high school, I've met her today and she's awesome, such a good friend of mine now, but she's completely opposite of me in every way. <laughs> and so if he had completely pigeonholed himself into that one type of person and dated just that one girl, he would have missed out on learning about all of the personality traits and qualities that I possess that he is now you know, so happy that he married when you're young and still learning about yourself and learning about others because there are so many important personality traits and qualities to explore, not only in yourself, but in others as well. So I'm going to ask from the perspective of the teen because I can hear my own voice even being like, but yes. what yeah. if I really like somebody? Like what if you really feel like you like somebody and they like you, you know, how do you still make that work and follow these recommendations? Totally. And that happens all the time. And I'm not saying don't spend more time with one person than, than with other people. I think that's totally fine. But when you put all of your time and energy into just one person, you're kind of excluding your friends. If you commit all your time and energy to just one person, you're going to miss out on some really fun experiences. Another thing that you avoid when you you know, don't just pare down to one person is this premature heartache. I feel like, you know, when kids get super serious about each other in high school, I mean, you don't really know what love is yet. You don't really know the power of it. When you just spend all your time and energy with this one person and this one person decides that they want to explore something different or whatever, you end up with this huge heartache that is so avoidable. Oh, that's perfect advice. Pushing yourselves to be social, to do group things and make it a more, you know, encompassing experience to date instead of just spending all your time one-on-one. -on -one. Like it's really about those social experiences and not becoming a boring couple. Your parents don't have to set these rules for yourself to make this a part of what you want to do as a teen. I think that that's something that seems like, well, I, my parents are fine with it, so whatever. But it's easy to set that precedent early on in a relationship and, hey, I really like you, but I want to make sure that I'm having the best possible experience in high school. So this is kind of what I want to do. Are you cool with that? And move on. Totally. It's a much more balanced way to be. And I know tons of people that have married their high school sweethearts and they have a great life together. But most of those people did spend some time dating other people between high school and when they got married it's really good to just make sure, you know, if that's the person for you, they're going to be there and, and you're going to figure it out. So, you know, you might as well kind of 
learn about other things and other people. And if, and if you've met, you know, your soulmate in high school, let them explore other things and you explore other things. And then when you come back together, you'll be absolutely positive that that is the right person for you. So how do you figure out the type of person who you really want to be really serious with and that you know that they are going to be somebody who you're going to have a successful marriage with? Yeah. So I think that comes with variety for sure. But I've been on other podcasts where people have asked me, you know, how can you prepare if you're single and you're looking and how can you prepare to meet the right person? And what I always say to that is you prepare to meet the right person by becoming the right person. So think of all the things that you're looking for in a potential partner. And then while you're single, and especially while you're in high school and in college, you've got so much time to develop all of these qualities in yourself that would make you the perfect partner. And then when the perfect partner comes along, they'll be drawn to you because you've worked on these traits and attributes that you're looking for in someone else. You'll recognize each other because you're both ready. Beautiful. I absolutely love that advice. What would you suggest they do? Do you think they should write a list of what they find important in a spouse and who they want to be and try to work on those? Or how would you suggest really streamlining that process? For sure. I mean, I think making a list is such an important thing to do. Whenever you're making any type of really important decision, I think it's important to know what is important to you. So if you're buying a car, if you're buying a house, if you're trying to figure out what you want to be when you grow up, it's really important to kind of tune into yourself and make a list of things that are really important. Whatever those specific qualities that you're looking for, it's really important to know what those are so you can kind of rule out different things. I dated a guy in college that he ended up being really kind of a spoiled brat. He always got his way growing up. And so that's kind of how he went into relationships. And so that was really important, a really important thing on my list that was like, hey, it's got to be kind of go with the flow. I mean, you're not going to find someone who marks off every single checkbox. Maybe you will. It depends on how detailed your list is. But you'll start, as you get to know a lot of different types of people, you'll start to realize like these things are really, really, really important to me. These things are not so important, but they would be nice. And then when you meet that forever somebody, you're going to know because they're going to check off most of your boxes. You're going to feel really good about it. It's not just going to be like some total chance attraction. I want to ask both of you, do you have different qualities that you kind of overlooked when you were looking for a spouse? And then when you're deep in the marriage, you're like, oh, this is so important. I'm so glad he has this or not. Because for me, I didn't have a huge list. I just wanted a guy that treated me good, that was you know, religious. I had a, a little list. It wasn't big. But now that I'm really married and I see a lot of different relationships around me, one thing that I find hugely important is being a self-motivator and a hard worker. That was not on my list. But I watch friends' husbands that aren't that way, and that drives me nuts. So I want to know from you two, do you see anything that you didn't even think about before that you're like, this is vital. It needs to be on a list. I'll share the quality that I didn't think would have been on my list. Uh, my husband happens to be an incredibly peaceful person. And I grew up in a home where, you know, whoever could talk the loudest won the argument sort of. So we were, you know, <laughs> as siblings, you know, even with our parents, you know, it was just a lot of arguing and 
he just has brought so much calm and peace. And I never pictured myself being in a relationship that didn't involve like yelling every time that you have a disagreement. I don't, just because I'm a very argumentative person. But yeah, so that, that peaceful, like that peacemaking quality was something I was not at all thinking that I needed on my list. And it, it's changed me a lot, but it's been uh, really important in our lives. <laughs> so, and it's really changed my whole family's dynamic. Actually, we've learned how to be more peaceful as a family. Yeah, I totally love that. My husband's really peaceful too. That's such an important quality that you wouldn't think about. And obviously, you know, when you're dating, you're not getting to see your spouse in a lot of the different roles that they'll eventually play, like dad and those types of things. As you were talking, Erica, it makes me think of that quote, like, go into your marriage with your eyes wide open. And then after you're married, like, you know, shut them halfway, like kind of (laughs) ignore some of the things that, you know, aren't worth having a huge argument about. And once we're married, we kind of teach each other how to treat each other. You know, I've kind of learned with time what things work well with my husband, what things don't. Like Erica, I came from a family that's very emotional. And, you know, if if you're upset about something, everyone's going to know about it immediately because it's really important. And with my husband, I've had to learn to process my emotions on my own and then come to him in a very level-headed way and talk about what is really upsetting me. I've learned that that's such a better way for me to exist anyways, to process through all that emotion on my own. That works better with my kids. It works better in business relationships. It works better just in every aspect of my life. And so I'm so grateful that my husband was able to kind of teach me that way of being. When you're married and when you're committed to a marriage and committed to making things work, then you kind of teach each other really cool things that you maybe didn't grow up with or know before. And you can do that also through dating a lot of different people, taking the best of what you loved and learned from them. Incorporate that in who you want to be. Definitely. I love that, Tani. Yes, for sure. That is another great argument for making sure you date all different kinds of people. So should we talk about the physical side of relationships? What do you think? Is that too scary, girls? (laughs) I'm up for whatever. (laughs) Okay. So I know that we don't want to get really deep into the physical side of relationships, but I do think there's a couple things that we should point out today. And I want to first talk about how important it is to kind of speak your expectations right up front and telling them like what you're okay with and what you're not okay with. Because in my experience, often you think, oh, they have the same standards as me. Like we see things the same way. So you never really have that conversation. And then sometimes that's not what ends up happening. So I just am curious if you have any advice on this side of things, the the whole physical aspect of a relationship. Yeah, actually, I have spent so much time talking to my kids, actually, because I have a teenage boy, and we have spent tons of time talking about how important it is in this day and age not to be alone with a girl for any period of time. And not because we're trying to suck their fun away or, you know, make it so that they can't do anything the world we live in is a scary place. And yes, I think it's really important to speak your expectations so that everybody knows up front what is okay and what isn't. But also, you never know what somebody's going to do if they get upset with you or if you hurt their feelings or hurt their heart in some way. 
the world's just gotten really scary. And so I tell my son all the time, hey, listen, don't be alone with somebody A, because there's a lot of temptation there, and B, because then it becomes their word against yours. And if there is ever a big problem, you could get in really, really, really big trouble, and it can affect you for the rest of your life. And it's just not worth putting yourself in that type of position. So just group date. Have your friends around. If you want to go kiss, go around the corner or something. Don't be completely isolated and by yourself because that really does create a dangerous environment for anything to happen. So I tell my kids, I'm sorry that this is the world that you're growing up in, but there's just too many dangerous things happening these days for you to just willy-nilly be off by yourself with somebody of the opposite sex. I completely back you up on that. And I had a lot of experiences myself to back that up. And I wish I would have heard this advice when I was younger. Thank you. That's perfect. I think another thing to be noted when you get into a really physical relationship is A, you've kind of stopped getting to know each other and you've kind of stopped getting the benefit of, you know, the dating and and those types of things. And there's a lot of potential for getting hurt. Like once you start getting really physical in a relationship, you're kind of opening up your heart to somebody who is young and they don't know how to take care of somebody's heart. You're going to open yourself up to rumors. You're going to open yourself up to being hurt in a way that in high school is just not necessary. Okay. So we've been talking about dating, but then there's going on dates. So let's talk a little bit about advice for being on a date, being present. What are some tips you might have for that? So yeah, so I think it's just really important to have your own kind of set of rules around uh, using your device on your date. So like, I know for me, and a lot of these things I'm saying is out of personal experience, (laughs) because for me, I know I'm a really productive person and it kills me to just sit there and, and feel like there's dead time or wasted time. And so sometimes I'll be riding in the car with my husband and he's not talking to me. So I'm like, oh, and I just want to look down at my phone and check my email or see what's going on on social media. Right. And he hates that. And he's told me that before. He's just like, hey, I like to just know that you're there, that if I think of something to talk to you about, you're there and available and paying attention to me. And I totally get that. That is a really good thing to practice when you're a teenager and on a date. Even if you're sitting there in awkward silence for 45 minutes at a time, that is good for you to experience. Like It's not going to hurt you at all. And I feel like that's the quickest way to show someone you're not really interested. Like that's rude. It is rude. It is rude. And we forget that, you know, teaching phone etiquette. It's rude if somebody, I mean, even if they're just driving and you're sitting in silence to look down at your phone is definitely giving them a signal like, hey, you're not important enough for me to either ask a question to or start a conversation with or just sit in silence. I mean, sitting in silence with someone you love is actually a really important skill to develop. Another thing is, I know teenagers, you guys get a lot of texts and it's really important to like text someone right back. But here's the thing. If it has to do with your date, like you're meeting somebody or your table's ready or something like that, by all means, answer the text. Or if it's life or death, someone's like literally about to die, then maybe answer the text. But if it's not that, if it's just someone like, hey, what are you up to? Like they can go a few hours without hearing from you. They're not going to die. 
I just think it's really important if you're on a date with somebody and you've kind of carved out that time to be on the date, be present, do not use your phone for kind of extracurricular scrolling or, you know, talking to other friends activities because you're there to get to know that person and learn how to communicate and cope with awkward silence and all of that stuff. And so just be there for the date and learn what you need to learn from the date. And if it was a horrible experience, then recommend that you guys continue to be friends and you don't have to go out with them again. Yes, but at least you stayed true to who you are and you're proud of how you represented yourself either way. Absolutely. I love that. Any other burning questions that... A fun last one would be any tips for ending a date without being awkward. Oh, the end of the date awkwardness. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What a great question. Sometimes things are just awkward and that just is okay. I mean, I remember once running towards somebody to give them a hug. Like I was so excited to see this person and I was like legit running towards them and they stuck their hand out like (laughs) right in front of them. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was so awkward. And I can, I mean, that probably happened 20 years ago and I still (laughs) laugh about it and think it's hilarious. So awkward (laughs) moments are great. You know what? Just just roll with it. Like who cares? You know, if you end a date awkward, one of two things is going to happen. You're either going to marry that person. It'll be a great story to tell or you're (laughs) never, you know, that person isn't going to be a part of your life and you'll just remember that really funny, awkward end of a date. So don't be afraid of awkwardness. I mean, just roll with it. And And it's okay to like laugh in the moment. (laughs) Oh, that was awkward. Sorry. You know, whatever. (laughs) For sure. Point it out. And I would add to learn how to do the side swipe hug when you're avoiding a kiss. (laughs) You know, it's like a skill. Hey, totally. Practice with your like annoying little sister or something. Like, I mean, just be like, here, let's practice some end of date scenarios and just have like total the sibling that is the most annoying to you help you (laughs) role play. That's perfect. Okay, so Monica, we do want to ask you our one question that we ask all of our guests, and that is, if you could give your teen self one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, I love this. Man, I would give my teen self so much advice, but I think the absolute most important thing that I wish I would have really, truly focused on when I was a teenager is to be kind to everyone. Everyone, everyone, everyone that you will ever meet has a story, has some cross to bear, something that they're struggling with, something that they're learning. And you just have no idea. It could be the smiliest person you've ever met. They're probably going through something. Somebody that's mean and rude and not nice to be around, they're probably going through the toughest thing of all. And so I wish I could just tell my teen self, you know what? Be true to who you are and be kind to everyone because you never, ever, ever know what somebody is going through. A smile, a hug, a kind word could really, really, really transform their experience. That's beautiful. I totally agree. And I see that more every day. That rings more true to me every single day. So Monica, Where can our listeners find you? I know we have a lot of parents that listen with their teens. You bring so much value when it comes to marriage and relationships. So I'd love them to find you. Oh yeah, thank you so much. The Epic Marriage Summit actually is available at www.onthebrightersideofmarriage.com. 
And you can always gain access to my podcast episodes, which are super fun on marriage, on health, on life, on business, on all things related to living your best life at www.onthebrightersideoflife.com. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming and talking with us on this big topic that we did not want to cover by ourselves. So (laughs) we love that you came and helped us. We needed you. So fun. Well, this is such a fun topic. And man, I really wish that somebody had told me all of these things when I was a teenager. I mean, I don't know if I would have listened or not, but dang, it would have been good to know. At least you would hear it. Right. Totally. And I could have been like, dude, I should have listened to that person. (laughs) (laughs) You're the best, Moni. We love you. Thank you you for your time. Thank you so much. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Teen Job Prep, for supporting the podcast. It can be scary finding your first time job as a teen, but Teen Job Prep has all the tools you need to not be intimidated. With a resume builder that is designed for teens and video training, Teen Job Prep has you covered. Know the rules that need to be followed if you are under 18 and how to find, apply, and stand out as an excellent applicant. Go to teenjobprep.com and use the code BECOMING to get 10% off.